0: or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand, and he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by Granger for the ones who get it done.
1: The baseball season is go go go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, 6 straight months and then hopefully another month in October. When it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu from Blue Wire Podcasts. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show. With your host, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Ryan. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Brock's Pinstripe Show. This is episode 499. One more before the big one, Scott. The big 500 is next week. It's a 20. milestone and a half, I think. It's a lot of episodes, man. It's, a, it's like... It's like, uh, we don't even, we talking about it is aging us (laughs) when we talk about the fact that we've recorded 500 episodes and, you know, we've done it at a cadence of for two years, was it two years? We did it once a week. And then the last three years we've done twice a week in season, once a week off season. And then, you know, the insanity of the playoffs. Yeah. I don't remember exactly when we switched to twice a week in the season. Uh, It was probably 2017 when the team was Playing better (laughs) when we're having fun with it, we're like, Hey, let's do this more. I don't think 2016, that wasn't exactly a very exciting year until they traded away everyone at the deadline. And I think you and I both started to enjoy the podcast more when we could talk about the future of the team and some young players. And Gary Sanchez, believe it or not, who back in 2016 in the second half of the season looked like he proved to be the centerpiece of the Yankees' next dynasty. That's how good he was in 2016. And this is where we are. We're here this week, and it's like, will the Yankees even tender him a freaking contract? It's amazing how far that has come in three, four years or whatever. I mean, that that just speaks to the way that baseball prospects pan out most of the time, I think. You have a lot of guys who come out of absolutely nowhere that will surprise the living shit out of you. And then you have guys who are hyped up who who just don't live up to the expectation. And I, I think you see that more... Uh, sometimes with catchers, just because of the breakdown. But yeah, well, it's a. It's, but it's we a didn't shame. actually expect them to to non tender him. They did tender him a contract. We don't know. We're recording this Thursday morning. It's eight o'clock in the morning. We don't know exactly what the offer to him was. It's probably going to be around five million bucks, which is what he made last year in arbitration. This is his second year of arbitration. There'll be a. It, there'll be a. Sl- there will be a bump, but yeah, it won't be, be much. It you know five and a half million or something like that. Spotrac had him estimated at six point four million. Spotrac. 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 Spot, what is it? I don't know. I say spot, spot track. I just assume it's spot track. Spo track. I don't know. That's, that's S, a, do you say spot track? Cause there's only one T. I just say it fast. <laughs> that's <laughs> so like, you'll never, so you that's would never a Kostanza, know. That's a Costanza <laughs> when he doesn't know how to say something. He just goes fast and mumbles through it. Yeah. You know, flabbing. <laughs> exactly. Spot track. <laughs> uh, we didn't expect him to get non-tendered because that would just be an asinine move, I think. I think the- there's no value in non-tendering him. I mean, people are talking about the fact that he might get non-tendered, non-tendered because of he, he had a terrible year last year. Of <laughs> all anybody, who's we're talking not denying about that. that. No, there's no denying that. I would destroy him for that. But if the value is not to non-tender him. The value is still to tender him at a, even a $6 million contract. And you have, at worst, a backup catcher at $6 bucks with potential. At worst, you're taking a flyer on a guy who has the ability somewhere. Maybe he's never going to regain that ability, but he he could. You're taking a $6 million flyer on it. it. I think that's worth it, especially for a team like the Yankees. That's crazy, the fact that we're taking a $6 million flyer on Gary Sanchez, the guy that we were anointing. When you uh, break it down, though, that's what it is. Essentially, he had a terrible year. When you break down the numbers, he had a oh, terrible year th- th- everywhere. There's nothing good about the, the year, really. There's nothing good about... He has had more bad, much more bad than good since 2018. So the the problem with Gary Sanchez is that the good is so concentrated that people are like drinking it and getting high for years over the concentrated success of Gary Sanchez. Right. A a singular home run against the Mets or a a playoff home run aided by the the gusting wind in in Cleveland. Or, no, or, no, no. I'm more talking about the two th- 2016 concentrated. Like, oh, you know, 17. You have, he was very, very. You know, when good you get player, uh, orange juice back in the day, you get orange juice like concentrated and frozen, and then you get put water in it to actually drink it. Like that's that's Gary Sanchez. He's he's the frozen orange juice. That's not good for you. Now we know that's too much sugar. It's so not good. Gary Sanchez is too much sugar. You you gotta you gotta dilute that and level the expectations a little bit. Set it out over a longer period of time, and he hasn't been able to do it. Where do you think it went wrong, for Gary Sanchez? Who do you put blame on? I think if we knew that answer, we would we would be not talking about this. To be honest, I, I put the blame on Gary Sanchez. Okay, sweary. yes, obviously the game is the the blame goes on Gary Sanchez. He's the player. But do you think the organization failed him a bit? No, I don't. In this instance, I do not think the organization failed Gary Sanchez at all. In fact, I think that the organization actually gave him a little bit of a bump when they. Recognized, you know, potentially some some areas where he was going to go awry. What was that? Single A, Double A. When he got pulled back from the um, the futures game, uh, pulled back from fall league. Yeah, he got there was a little bit of like a disciplining. A. That's so long ago, though. I I'm know, but that. About... But, but it, look, they, what they did is they identified the player, identified what the player needed. And to me, as an organization, it's more about how you're coming up, how you're coming up through the... They took their sweet-ass time with him because he was young. He they was 16 years sweet old. They took sweet-ass time with everybody, though. That's their but, but for him it was, time with prospects. But they took their time with him and actually... Seemingly developed him. Well, it looked like it was going to work because in 2016 he almost won the Rookie of the Year by playing two months in the bigs, and then in 2017 he was an All-Star level catcher, one of the best, maybe the best catcher in the league in 2017. Okay. So at that at that point, to me, the organization has done their job. They've developed the player. The player has come up. The player has seen success in the major leagues. It's it's now on the player to sustain success at that point. Yes, obviously, you're leaning on the coaching staff, leaning on the organization still. But at this point now, it's it's the talent of the player, the motivations of the player, the abilities of the player to now continue this and make sure that he's putting himself in the best position to succeed. The organization put him in a good position to succeed. So the the, uh, the there was an article in The Athletic, and I'll get to it in a second, that sort of broke down why Gary Sanchez has been struggling so much defensively and offensively, and the the league trends have not helped Gary Sanchez. But I'm I'm more trying to get at this is maybe impossible for you and I to gauge. Is there is there did the organization, for lack of a better word, just f them up because they they tried to overmanage Gary Sanchez? Yeah, so again, in 2007, no. in 2017, someone thought that Joe Girardi was too hard on Gary Sanchez, but Gary Sanchez was playing the best he's ever played in the major leagues in 2016 and 2017 under Joe Girardi. Then they the, Brian Cashman says, okay, we need a manager who's going to essentially relate better to the players. Not specifically for Gary Sanchez, but that was a big point. Gary Sanchez and Joe Girardi do not relate to one another. Aaron Boone will relate to players like, like Gary Sanchez. So here's Aaron Boone, 2018. And Gary Sanchez starts to slip. He starts to go into prolonged slumps. There's hustle gate where he doesn't run down to first base in a game. He's got injury after injury. 2019 gets even worse than 2018. And then 2020, he's benched for Kyle Higashioka in the playoffs. Okay. It, it has been like an absolutely fall off the cliff for Gary Sanchez. He is benched for Kyle Higashioka. Are you kidding me? Kyle Higgy is a is basically a quad A catcher. Okay? And uh, Gary Sanchez was I mean, he, benched for him. He definitely proved more than that. He's a competent backup catcher in the league so far. He if it were if it was not for Garrett Cole for whatever reason loving to throw to Higgy. Well, I guess what? That's a reason and there was a reason for that as well. Okay, whatever you want to call Higgy, Gary Sanchez getting benched for him is a it is a joke for Gary Sanchez. That's a joke. If you if you're Sanchez you're benched for Higgy, you've hit rock bottom. Um the thing is is that all of the things that you just mentioned are are player issues. I don't care Look, if, if the the organization, why didn't the organization fire. did the organization a lot of those did not get they keep rid of trying to change him. Oh, do the one knee stance, do this stance, do this, do this, do this, do this, Gary, do this, Gary, be this, Gary, be this, Gary. How about just let him play like he was in 16 and 17 when he was the best hitting catcher in baseball? Well, I think they tried to do that and they don't know why the the, the, the fact that there was a, a drop off then. And so they're like, OK, well, I guess we got to fix something. Let's try to fix it. Because Gary, scary. for tinkering. some reason, you're broken. so much tinkering. There's not, a, th- but this was a reaction to the player. It wasn't. It wasn't just tinkering to tinker. This wasn't Java coming up to the organization. I was just going to say you stole the words out of my out. This is the most they've tinkered with a player since Jabba. That's not true. Th- there's. There Find have me been I'm a sure, player over the last the scenes decade and even... a half where they've tinkered more than than Gary, than Jabba. Because Jabba was very different. It's not like they took Gary from uh, catcher and put him on first base and then back to catcher and then first base and then back to catcher and then first base. There's there, no they, apples to apples comparison between reliever and, and starter to catcher and something Well, whatever else. it is, it's a different position in the game. It's not the same. It's literally different because you have to uh, train differently. So yeah, it's a little bit of a comparison. You have to train okay. differently to play first base. You have to train differently to play catcher. If you're not trained to do one, you're probably not gonna be as good in the if you're training to do two, you're not gonna be as good in the one. So it's not the same by any means. They were trying to help him and Jabba they just completely screwed. <laughs> and look at him now. You know, it's a damn they, shame. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I agree they screwed Jabba. I think they didn't screw Sanchez as hard as they screwed Jabba, but I think. They didn't screw Jerry Sanchez. This is not a Gary Sanchez. Ger- Jerry Sanchez. This Who's is Jerry? not a Gary Sanchez. I'm going to start calling him Jerry Sanchez if he doesn't start playing better. Gar- Gary Sanchez did not get screwed by anybody. This is not screwed a little bit. I'm not a, uh, a Gary Sanchez apologist. I, I swear I'm not a, a Gary Sanchez It seems like apologist. you are this morning. It seems like you're drinking the, the juice of a of Gary Sanchez apology. <laughs> this coffee right here, there's it's filled a with Gary Sanchez <laughs> tears. Well, it was his birthday yesterday. Well, so you're getting soft on his birthday. Is that what's happening? He, he turned he turned 77 years old. Considering yeah. that's how long it feels. His, like he's His been lower in the half Yankees is 94. <laughs> he is. Uh, I I agree with you. the The vast majority of the blame goes on Gary. It's the player, but I don't think it's 100 on Gary. I think the Yankees have overmanaged him. Or mismanaged him in some sense, not putting the right coaches around him. You can't you can't just do that for one player though. The player has to adapt to the organization to a to a um a certain degree. To probably a lot of, uh, but I, to, I feel like that was the main reason we heard why Joe Girardi was was let go is because he it was a reason that, that we heard. Sanchez. It was a reason that we heard that the media ran with because it was a sexy thing to say probably, and it was fun to talk about. It was controversial. It be it, it made the the situation more polarizing. So yeah, that's why we heard about it. I'm sure. There, there's no possible way that, that was like the definitive reason why. No, that was happening. I, I, I agree. There's no way it was. But Joe Girardi hit his hit his limit with the organization. He was right around that. He's at that ten year mark where uh, the the organization likes to make that change, and they did. So, do you think it's a coincidence then that that Gary was better under Girardi? It possibly. I don't know. I don't have answers. And the problem is that nobody has answers. And that's that's what's going on here. What no, your put job is it. to pick it out of your ass and act like you have answers. Yeah, It's a Just Gary Sanchez problem. Only Gary Sanchez can understand this problem. He needs to fix his, himself. He needs, well, to, he needs to see the light. The article in The Athletic was titled Gary Sanchez Future with the Yankees Diagnosing What's Gone Wrong. And it's a really in-depth article. Basically, Laying out reason after reason how things have gone wrong for Gary. On the defensive side, we heard last year about how his framing was improving. He finished 52nd out of 62 qualifiers. Okay, so it's not, or that's over the past two years. And last year, apparently he received 1,152 pitches. And I, I did the math. This doesn't add up. I think this is pitches, not, I think this is strikes. That's strikes that he received. So out of those one thousand one hundred and fifty-two, that basically just means they're they're less likely to be called strikes when he's catching them. He ranked fifty-eighth out of sixty-two. The, the stat that you had in here said every single one of them. It was a, wasn't it like a hundred percent? It was something ridiculous. Well, yeah, but that's but basically that was saying just, everything he did was was worse. It was high, it's it's basically simplifying it. The writer simplified it where he's like, when Gary Sanchez receives the ball, it's less likely to be called a strike. Gary Sanchez caught the ball, it was worse for the team every single time. That's what the article said. Yeah. (laughs) Blocking, uh, only one catcher in baseball has had more pass balls, um, so that's not good. Throwing, he is good at throwing, but what the article pointed out, teams are running less and less. So that aspect of catching is becoming less important. They're putting teams... Teams would rather have a catcher that receives and blocks than a catcher that can throw. R- correct. The, the, and it makes sense. It does make sense unless you get exploited because of that catcher. So they can't be. They can't. Those are be, very singular instances, though. You can be very league average to below league average at throwing the ball, and you're going to be fine. Right. Correct. It's just a. It's only if you're on the uh, on the bottom side of throwing where those numbers will probably get exploited more right but i still that. think a team would rather have you be tops in the league and blocking and and receiving and bottom in the league and throwing yeah that's that's fair there's so much offense going around from everywhere else and and so much be, it's holding the runners at their bases they're not stealing as much so the offense is actually affecting that that part of it too. And on the offensive side it's even uglier. So his swing percentage and strikeouts, Gary's swinging strike rate is the bottom 50% over the last 3 years. His strikeout rate has been bottom 25%. And they isolated what they called the shadow zone. The shadow zone is basically the top of the strike zone, okay? He's been one of the worst in the league at at connecting on pitches in the top of the strike zone. His plate discipline is declining. And that's something with age. As your plate discipline declines, your contact declines. It's the thing that goes. This is not an age thing for Gary Sanchez, or at least it shouldn't be at this point. Shouldn't be. Right. But that's something that doesn't. That's something that you don't improve at at thirty two years old. Right. But when we're talking about age, it's yeah. We're, we're we're talking about uh exactly that. Like th- mid thirties is when you, no, but, but my early point to mid thirties is when you should start seeing some decline. Not not where Gary Sanchez is. My point is, and what the article's point is, is that. If it doesn't get fixed next year, it's never gonna get fixed. Okay, yeah. Uh and he's slow as shit. So <laughs> what that means is teams on the left side of the infield can play their infielders all the way back. Well yeah, so he, doesn't, any, he doesn't cause he doesn't run out run balls out, right? That's true. He's lazy. But he's also, also slow as shit. He it's like that. Being that video, lazy and slow is no way to go through life. The video of him on Instagram where he was doing wind sprints in the beach and he almost got blown over by the wind backwards because he was running so slow. But what this basically means is the the infielders can play at such a depth where he basically can't hit it through the left side of the infield. It's impossible because the infielder, there's three infielders playing on the outfield grass and it doesn't matter because they're going to throw him out because he can't get down the box. Well, he doesn't hit the, the ball box. on the ground anyway, so that doesn't really matter as much. But when he does hit the ball on the ground, even it's if it's out. 110 miles an hour, it's always an out. It doesn't matter. Whereas other guys, if they hit the ball like like um, other guys who are a little bit quicker, the infielders can't play as deep. The ball might get through for a single. Gary Sanchez, it's a ground ball to the third baseman. So To be, to be, fair, to be fair, that doesn't really matter very much in his game. No, it doesn't because... They they basically, the article said, only 11 players get played further back at third base right now than Gary Sanchez, and their names represent some of the slowest of the slow. Miguel Cabrera, Albert Pujols, Nelson Cruz, Fran Mel Reyes. Oh, my God. I mean, some of those guys are over the hill, but Nelly Cruz is still a beast. Nelly Cruz hits home runs. he's He's not a beast running out balls. No, right. So he gets played further back at third base it doesn't affect his stats though he's still a beast in the box. Because yeah exactly because he hits the ball over the goddamn fence. So Gary Sanchez be more like Nelly Cruz. Well Gary Sanchez is a catcher Nelly Cruz is not a catcher. This is where we get this is where we get mixed up. When we try to start comparing Gary Sanchez to all these big time hitters, you just mentioned two Hall of Famers, potentially three Hall of Famers if Nelson Cruz starts getting after But they they're over the hill now. They're over the hill. I understand that. and but, Cabrera but, over the hill. But the point is is that these guys still the way that they're effective is that they hit the ball out of the ballpark. They don't hit the ball on the ground and are effective. Then then that was never part of their game. So does friend Will Reyes even hit home runs. I'm like, yeah, he's he's a big dude. He's he mashes. He hits dingers. So the, I suggest- do we do we ever care if our if our power hitters are hitting ground balls to the left side and getting out. No, we don't No, But what it but what it means is it, it exasperates the problem to where Gary Sanchez can have a good at bat. And then at the end, you know, like these nerds on Twitter will tweet out, Oh, Gary was unlucky. He hit it 109.4 miles an hour and it's an out. Well, it's because he hit it on the ground directly to the third baseman. Like that's not unlucky. That's just the other team playing where Gary Sanchez is going to hit the ball. Yeah, no, he definitely, uh, uh, the launch, the, the velocity off the bat is not as much of a factor with him unless it's over the moon. <laughs> that's when it becomes a, a real deal because he hits and, the, he does hit as the as the article says he hits the snot out of the ball which i love that such a great under yeah, when he makes contact and he makes contact bottom 50 percent of the league and it's harder to launch where he's hitting the ball because the shadow zone the top of the strike zone that's normally a place where you're going to be able to launch from and he can't hit the ball in that zone he's minus 13 runs below league average and when the pitch is in that zone so all of this comes down to approach uh mechanics The you know just being prepared for an at bat to me a lot of this comes down to the player the preparation and being ready for the moment when he does connect with the ball playing you know that that Mets home run or the other one like yes he's looking for a fastball and if if it's in if it's in a good area where he's looking and he's ready for it in that moment then he can hit the ball and he'll hit it well probably. But other, otherwise, he's not prepared. He's not. He doesn't look like he's prepared. I'm not going to say he's not prepared. It doesn't look like he's prepared. Is that is that more fair? Because I don't it, know if the player is prepared or not by looking getting, at and watching the game. My eyes, my eye test doesn't tell me if they're prepared. It just tells me what I see, and what I see is a guy that doesn't look prepared. Well, he's getting so exposed in all of those areas that we just talked about too. It, it it's the it's his game is boiled down to those things. It's bad pitch framing. It's pass balls it's not swinging it's this is not why connecting pitch framing on the pitches he should shit stat because we, last year he was the best he's such a great pitch framer and now he's not even on the board of anybody framing it pitches. is also yeah this was i think using StatCast's method and i think baseball prospectus ranked him a bit higher on framing but what basically it, it's a it was that it was it wasn't that Gary sanchez was the best in the league it was that he improved but he was still not great let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a dumb question. When when robo ump's come because they're coming at some point. Do you agree with that? Yeah. Who's going to care about pitch framing? <laughs> Just, <laughs> this big emphasis on you pitch know framing. What I got and- news for you, Scott. If you think the robo ump's are going to be perfect, everyone's going to be happy with the robo ump's. You're out of your damn mind. Oh, you think that Gary Sanchez catching a ball and about it, they're going to trick the robots? I think is that what system- you think. They I are going to be. It's 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 it is it is literally a, uh, it's a, a technology that's extremely precise. So yes, it will so be accurate. what's the point of, yeah, basically just like have a net back there. Right. But my point is, is you're not going to fool the, the robots and the computers. Gary Sanchez ain't that fast. We just talked about right. it. Well, it, it'll, it'll be, um, There it it, it gets rid of that entire but conversation. is Gary Sanchez still going to be catching in the league when robo-umps are fully implemented in Major League Baseball? Because I don't think it's coming in say 2022, it's probably coming in like 2025, 2026. Or Great. Something. So all the kids can learn pitch framing. And then when they get up, it doesn't matter. It's just such a stupid thing. It really is. It's like, okay, how well can you deceive the umpire? That's, that's what we're talking no, about. No, I right? agree. We've talked about pitch framing a ton. We had, I forget who we had on one, one, one um, media member, um, on the, the nerd community came on the podcast talking <laughs> about pitch framing. And, uh, yeah, even he oh, it was Zimborski from Fangraphs. Even yeah. he was talking about how it's, it's it's an imperfect science. It's it's the most imperfect stat in baseball, but yes. it's one of the most emphasized stats when it comes to catchers, if not the most emphasized. Because umpires stat. are stupid and, and a lot of them are old and they and MLB can't get rid of them, so we need to make sure that we put emphasis and yeah. the MLB them. has a big time umpire problem. They have an umpire problem. Yeah. All right, let's get to the root of the problem. Why are we Why are we talking about pitch framing? Oh, because Joe West is back there, and we can trick him. Angel Hernandez, there's. A, <laughs> I saw a funny. And uh, and then again, does it matter? Because are are you tricking them in a way that's going to help you, or or in fact, are you now catching balls that are down the middle and they're they think you. They think they think you're tricky. So remember the Gary jerk, the Gary jerk up yeah. any ball, like slightly below the, Gary the, middle jerk of the up plate. You cannot, you cannot refer to it as the Gary jerk up. I'm sorry. I didn't say jerk off. I said jerk up. He would take the ball and yank it up. The Gary yank up. Is that better? The Gary yank? Yeah, no, I don't think that's better, but he's he's going <laughs> to we'll punch himself the in the face it. one of these days. It he's going to knock so out stupid. an umpire with the way that he tries to frame. How silly did it look? And I think it's, you it's, lost it's, strikes. It's one of the most ridiculous things. It looks ridiculous. Do you, don't you agree? Like at some po- times I was like, he just lost a strike. Yes. I think that it actually does go into the back of the umpire's mind knowing that this guy is good at pitch framing. So now it's a mental battle between the umpire and the catcher to not get fooled. Oh, the nerds have just <laughs> boiled down baseball to the worst of the worst. Yeah. But uh, uh, like for real I he, need someone umpire, out there. if you're an umpire in the league and you know that you're uh you're behind the plate with a guy who is at the top of the league with pitch framing are you going to tell me that that doesn't get into your mind that's saying like was it a strike or did he just fool me and I think it's a strike Well cuz umpires be in the back get graded minds. umpires get graded so they know they keep track of what they're doing This is a conversation that's not happening that needs to happen Did I ever so they there's a there's a website out there that um, tracks, <clears throat> excuse me, that tracks umpires' performance. Okay, yeah. and there was a an umpire. It was like the first. I think it happened in the wild card round of the playoffs this year. He was the only umpire to get a perfect pitch, strike, uh, uh, a strike ball record. Yeah. Okay. They fired so, him the next day. So every every pitch that was. He needed to call. He got right in that game according to the uh, whatever s- tracking method they use. Okay. And and uh, then the the article that I read basically said he was like both sides complained during the game to that umpire about the strike zone. Well, I mean, it, it boils down to also the fact that there's no strike zone that's I mean, this has been from the beginning of time, though the strikes. No one's different. ever going to be happy. Yeah, no one. No one's happy. Both sides are mad. Basically, what it comes down to, if you call pitches, when you call a strike, unless it's down center, Dick. When you call a strike, one team's going to be happy, the other team's going to be mad, and that's always going to be the case. I mean, for the most part, I guess it, it doesn't matter. It, the, the point is, is, it doesn't matter, and there's a there's a there's a mental battle happening here that the, uh, the nerds can't see because it's not in the numbers. Okay. So we have a mailbag question as it relates to the catching situation for the Yankees. What if Joe group? West had to take a, you know, has to take a, a big dump in the middle of, of one and he's trying to get out of there. Can we, can you don't we don't think get, that's a like, problem? I think that's a problem. Joe West has can, to go. That's a problem. So I would like to, so, um, Ian Happ, he does the, the podcast on the compound. Blue Wire Network. The compound. Can we get him on? And I just want to talk about how players manage bowel movements during games. Like, I want to spend a half hour on it. I have so many questions. Yeah, I will, I will uh, shoot Can him Can you text pitch that and, to him? Yes, 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 yes. I will. I absolutely will. Didn't we get Ben Heller to talk about this, too? Well, we wasn't Ben Heller talking about the... Uh, he was talking about this in some capacity when he was on. Ben Heller got tendered to contract. Jonathan yeah, Holder did not get tendered to contract. Ben Heller is a pure... We like the arm, but he's just always so injured. I know, but we like the we like the we like the player, and we like the arm. And we we're going to talk about arbitration, cheap, especially. So. We're going to talk about the arbitration stuff, especially around the league where there's a ton of good players that got non-tendered. Uh, but first, I want to just do this mailbag question. It's from Dom. At Dom K 84 on Twitter. Do the Yankees sign James McCann? He seems like more of a bat-to-ball catcher with better defensive skills. Since 2019, McCann has a 114 OPS plus compared to Gary's 105. Defensive runs saved since 2019. McCann is plus 29. Sanchez minus 18. Not sure how framing and all that comes into play, but it seems like a quick upgrade at catcher at some... And some serious competition to get Gary's ass in gear. Ideally, sign McCann for a short deal and see if you can reinvigorate Gary's career. I don't know that signing James McCann is a reinvigorate Gary move. If you sign James McCann, that's a we're moving on from Gary move. I think. Well, I mean, it depends what the contract is. But he's uh, 30 years old. He he's I mean he's been a good player. So very good, very good season in 2020 with the White Sox. 144 OPS plus. That's a monster year for a catcher. And I, I think that. I've said this before. I I don't think we have to have a a big production offensively from the catcher. We just don't need it. It's a luxury. It's not a necessity. And in fact, for this team, I think a, a guy like uh, like Dom's talking about here uh, that's that's got a decent K rate that puts bat to ball a little bit more often can move things around. Like is a is a good th- cog for this lineup to have. Be a good defensive catcher and then be adequate at the plate. I don't need home runs out of you. I just don't. And I think that's that's one of the mentalities of of the way. It depends how they're going to to, to like see who they're gonna add if they add, because they might not add anybody. It's very possible that they don't add anybody and they go in with Higgy and they go <laughs> in with Gary. That would not surprise me one bit. I no, think I that think they that's like what they're going I think that do. they like Higgy. So I think that they're confident enough with Higgy uh taking over if need be. I, I, I do believe that they actually think that. Well, but, I don't and, and I I I think I'm more I have. Uh, I'm more bullish on Higgy than you are, for sure. I like. I think that he's got more potential. I didn't see anything out of Higgy last year that impressed me. Okay, uh, uh, like he he's he is what he is. He's not a starting catcher. So if if you're if your plan this year, you don't think to that have- people can develop because I I do think that people can develop. I don't think Higgy's going to develop at this point. He's like Why? 30 year He's 30 years old. He's he, he's he's he could barely get out of triple a the only reason he's out of triple a is because austin romine was out of option was out well, of that's arbitration. not fair. that's not fair because there was an opportunity problem as well he was not really ever in a position to get to the major leagues in a in a full-time position in a, in a capacity that was that would keep him up there it was just never on the table just like gary sanchez is that problem because they wanted to they want. If you have a guy that you see a little bit of potential and that's doing well in the minors, you want to bring him up as your backup catcher. You want to keep him there as long as you possibly can to develop him in case the guy in front of him doesn't do well. That's what happened. Just like Austin Romine, I think Higgy is a fine backup catcher. I have no problem with him as your backup catcher, but if you're going to ask him to start 70% of the games, I don't think that he's capable of doing that. Austin Romine did Austin Romine when the Romanites came out. Austin, Austin Romine was a was a no. Was the a Romanites got fooled by like a ten game stretch where Austin Romine would hit three thirteen, and they'd be like, "Oh my god, he's the best." He's he was a fantastic backup catcher. Yeah, what's the keyword in that sentence? But I, that's the thing. Like, I think the Yankees can be can can. Uh, I think the Yankees could win a World Series with a backup catcher starting. Because usually the backup catcher is defensive and they and they make contact. I mean, I, I'm saying I don't think it hurts the team. I don't. I think it. if you have a competent defensive catcher who can make some decent contact, just league average or even below league average at the plate, I don't think that affects the prospects of the Yankees team uh, in well, 2021. But do you agree that the plan this year, give Gary one final shot, see what he is, and then if by June he's still struggling, still looks lost, that's it for him? Yeah, I think that... It cannot be a long leash. I think that we have to to identify what he is early on. And that and only that, putting a time frame on Gary Sanchez, if, if you're if he's not gonna do it when the Yankees put a time frame on him, and f- just tell him if you don't produce by June, we need to see it now. Back against the wall. This is it. You better produce. We need to see it or we have to move on. We can so, here's we the can question. no longer wait. If what is your plan, plan A, have Gary figure his shit out. What's plan B? How many catchers are acquired at the trade deadline? Not often. No. And it's usually not a position that you acquire and have success at because it's very hard to bring a catcher over to a new right. pitching system and have him work well. Like that's something you need to do, develop in spring training and all that kind of was stuff. Was Pudge a mid-season? Yeah. And he was terrible. Yeah. So that just, that puts me back in the, in the camp. That well, so what I what I think at that point they would sign a veteran guy that's probably been in the U- like I could see Eric Kratz coming out of Kratz, retirement like, at that just, point. Yeah. They just keep Kratz. They basically pay Kratz to just sit tight for a little while. And be like, yeah. listen, we might need you. Just keep your, le- just keep you June your hamstrings loose while you're while yeah. you're there. Get off the couch. You know, every two hours, practice your drive stretch. Yeah, and no, no, I don't even care if you swing. Don't even swing. But is just, just keep your and hands. Higgy, is Kratz and Higgy enough? Yes, that's my point. My point is is that you do not need a superstar catcher for this team to be a World Series champion. You do not need that. You need a role player to be at that position, to play good defensively, and to not be a liability with striking out every single time at the plate. That's it. That's all I want. I'm serious. I don't care about the home run ball coming from the catcher. I don't care. It doesn't matter. The home run ball is coming from everywhere else. It does not need to come from this position. To answer... Dom's question. To, to Too many to people have a, have a problem with when they look at the Yankees, they need to see a superstar at every position. The the best Yankees teams had role players that did their job, and it was in a vacuum. They did their job either defensively, moved runners over. They had a a, a, a job and a mission when they were in the lineup. They didn't all swing right. for the fences. They You're had right, role players, and they were complimentary. The problem here, though, is that we've seen Gary Sanchez play like a superstar. Right. So we but, want that back. Okay. What we want and what is a reality is no longer the same. And I think hmm. we all have to, as fans, come to terms Get, with that. Getting philosophical on us. Well, you know. And the uh, Yankees organization has to has to understand that. And that's why they have to say, Hey, Gary, this is it, man. Like you're 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 either right. doing this, this or it. you're not doing this. And this we're not gonna it. be so- here next year if you're not doing it. And since that's the plan, I don't see James McCann. I don't see Yadier Molina. I don't see JT Realmuto. I don't see these higher profile catchers who are going to require starting jobs or near starting jobs to be coming into the Yankees. Because I don't think that there's going to – they need to give Gary one final shot. And I don't think McCann coming in and them signing him, I don't think they can give Gary a final shot if you have James McCann. I don't think James McCann would come over unless the money was dumb. Because of that, because he knows Gary Sanchez is there at any moment. If Gary Sanchez gets hot, he's, he's on the bench. So right. he's not going to be McCann's able to continue a his career. career. McCann is a starting yeah. catcher. Uh, Yachty is a different story a little bit. I don't know if that's a real thing. I know that's been a, a rumor. but I think that was headlines. It's, po- it's very possible. I mean, it would not surprise me. It would surprise me if, if uh, Molina left the Cardinals at this point in his career. But, would you like that better? Would you like the plan to be Gary with Yachty better than Gary with Higgy? No, I don't think I like one better than the other. But what what I'm saying is I think the Yachty Gary is more realistic because I think James McCann is at a point in his career that he wants to be a starting catcher. And Yachty is at a point where he wants to win a championship and and be a a role player, essentially. He doesn't need to start every day. In fact, he, he shouldn't start every day because of his age. So I think that that would... Again, I can't talk anymore about what would have a positive impact on Gary Sanchez because I just don't know. I feel like they've tried to put him in positions to succeed many times, and he's just not done it. And for me, that falls back on the player. So there are motivations inside his brain, inside his body that nobody knows about that he needs to understand and activate. And maybe Yadier Molina, who's a legend, a legend, could do that, possibly. But I'm not going to bring him in. Solely for that reason. Do you want to talk about this blocking run saved uh, graphic that you found, and and the uh, the Gary Sanchez catching stance before we move on to other things? It's just it's just funny. I, so uh, if you don't follow him on Twitter, you should. Tanner Tanner Swanson, who's who basically runs the Yankees catching. Philosophy. He's the uh, he's the coordinator for for the catchers in the Yankees organization. Um, he came over from the Twins, I believe, a couple of years ago. He's really he's really good. He's got some really interesting forward thinking philosophies. He's a big proponent of the one knee approach. the The one knee approach for me, on a philosophical mechanical level, is fine if you can do it as a player. If you are physically able and it and it and it you're able to make that transition into this into this approach, then great. It gives you a little bit more athleticism, I think. I think what we if you go to his Twitter account, he put up a graphic. It says uh, 2020 blocking run saved and basically saying that the one knee approach is not just for framing, but it's also for uh, blocking run saved. And, you know, you're seeing defensive catcher stats coming from uh, the one knee guys. There's uh, 20 of these guys on this list. Gary Sanchez is nowhere to be found. So Uh, but James McCann, Yadier Molina are both on here. They are. Not not high by any means. No, are, they're lower. They're, the Yachty ranks seventeenth. McCann eighteenth. But what do you, uh, you see? Real you Muto see a lot 5th. of you see a lot of backup catchers on there. Do you not? <laughs> you see a lot of guys who are just defensive.
2: They have yeah, defensive but, prowess. But, but
1: if you look at the opportunities, you don't see. I mean, all of these guys had a lot uh, had had a ton of opportunities. Except um, there's a minimum also for it. Tanner Henneman. Is the lowest as far as opportunities go, right? Unless I'm missing. Joseph someone. Odom's at five sixty. Okay, so but so what's the takeaway from this graphic? The takeaway is that he's basically defending his one knee down approach. Correct. And to me, when I'm looking at that, when I'm hearing that, I see, I see this as a problem because the person, the catcher, who's at the top of the the depth chart in the Yankees organization, is not good at it. Well, this, this graphic basically says, hey, guys, get ready for Gary one knee again in 2021. Or, hey, guys, Gary Sanchez is not on this list. Look at these other names. One knee approach is a better approach long term with players. Gary Sanchez might not be the guy. Maybe Higgy's not on here. Higgy didn't do one. Hey, no, no. If you look at the tweet, look at the, um, uh, the tweets underneath it. If Higgy were to have qualified for this list, he would be on top. But he didn't do one knee. He would be on top. No, he's he is part of this approach. Yes, he is. Higgy does one knee down. Let me read the tweet. Let me go back to the to the uh, the videotape on on this tweet itself. I'm surprised no, no, Higgy no. is not high in this list. I thought he did a solid job this year. He'd be at the top of this list, but had 50 um, bid attempts. Hold on. I think we're not understanding this graphic. I think the guys that he circled are traditional. Are the traditional approach? No, the fifty-four guy fifty-four catchers had seventy-plus bid attempts. You're looking at the guys who are uh, circled, who are not traditional. That's the point. The guys, so guys are circled. Do, it, yeah, those are the one, the one knee guys. The circled guys are one knee. Correct. The top four are all traditional. That's correct. <laughs> all right. It, it's 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 still it's still a. Uh, a position, like, can you like, like frame This image out, can you retweet this image from Yankees podcast so people know, like, have yeah, yeah some I context? Because I'll, re- I think I'll this retweet is, his, I'll retweet what his they call tweet. bad radio right now. We're looking at a graphic that not, yeah, this of is Francesca Radio for sure. So, to be clear, there are 20 people on this list, and um, one, two, three, four, five, uh, t- uh 13 of them are 1D approach guys, so it's very telling. hey guys 2020 has already reshaped how we work and it's almost over businesses across the globe are challenged to be more efficient which means every single hire is critical and indeed is here to help indeed is the number one job site in the world with more visits than any other job site according to comscore indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the right person you need to keep your business going unlike other job sites indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring you only got to pay what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that you can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates you will see and fast. Try Indeed without free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer is valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Football is going strong, and that's just one of the many things you can wager on at Bet Online. You might not be at a game this year but you can still get in on the action bet online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season from game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props bet online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else you can still even get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins division and championship futures all day every day Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. They also have things you can bet on like MLB Hall of Fame odds. I got an email about that this week. Some interesting things there. You can also bet on where Theo Epstein is going to take the next job if he's going to keep working in baseball. Go check it out. Don't forget to use our promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right. So the arbitration news, the Yankees came to an agreement with Sessa, they non-tendered holder. They also agreed to terms with Ben Heller. Everyone else will receive an offer from the Yankees. And as I said, we have not heard what the offer is yet. The estimates for guys that you care about judge was 10.7 million. Luke Voigt, 7.9 million. Gio, 5.2 million. uh, Glaber, 3.5. Clint, 2.6. Uh, those are really the the big names on there. Um, but what I think is really interesting about this whole process is not the number of guys that were non-tendered because I think I saw someone, I think uh, Sand tweeted out that last year like 58 players were non-tendered and this year like 60. So it's basically the same, but I think it's the quality of players. Like we've, we've seen some decent players get non-tendered. Kyle Schwarber, Hanser Alberto, Eddie Rosario, Brian Goodwin, uh, Archie Bradley, Kurt uh, Casale, like all of these guys have uh, uh, Hansel Robles, David Dahl, Um, David Dahl, Adam Duvall. Um, I'm just scrolling through the list. Like all of these guys produced one to three WAR last year. These are solid players that teams are just like, nah, we don't want to pay you. I think a lot of it also is where they are in arbitration and the cost of the player. That's that's more to what it is. I think that's what we're seeing. We're we're identifying that this is going to be a problem coming into free agency, that the teams are absolutely cutting costs on players that aren't massively impact players. But they're not massively impact players, but they're quality players, right, but which I is think, bad news for free agents. Yes. Because, well, it started last year. It started two years ago, really. But I, I think I think teams are identifying that they can... Uh, get similar level production from from guys who are either younger, uh, you know, earlier in arbitration or, you know, veterans that are cheap. I just I, I think there's a there's a weird area now for these, uh, you know, are these later arbitration guys that they're just getting paid too much almost for what they're producing based on what's available and based on how they the teams value the individual player. Yeah, do you think that means that in the next CBA we're going to see a revamp to the arbitration system? It needs to happen. The arbitration system is is one of the biggest problems of baseball. Well, yeah, it was designed to benefit the players and what it and what really now the teams have manipulated it to benefit them because right. they still hold all the control. Yes, and it really affects player like the like Luke Voit Luke Voigt gets screwed by arbitration. He doesn't get an opportunity well, to take advantage of his prime years on the free agent market. You does say he, you does could also he say doesn't. That you, you took too damn long and that went against him. OK, that's relatively fair. But at the same time, he's now he's being eligible like the, the, the being eligible for arbitration at a certain age uh, point should should no longer be a, a thing he should be eligible free agency much earlier than he is at this point at this point in his life because of his uh, because of his age it doesn't take and the that into consideration as much because of his service time i believe he's a, a four year arbitration guy but yeah it, but in one sense if he plays well for the next four years he's going to end up banking like 50 million dollars in arbitration okay fine but but he's not going to get the opportunity to get a free he's not going to be able to test the the free market which which is no, a, which is a problem right. at his age. So, at his age, and it, he's not. The, he's a rare. He, yeah, he's, he's the, the exception, exception not for the rule. Sure. But but it's it's also it's those exceptions you have to look at as well, and to see how they get, you know, how it exploits the system a bit. Because there are exceptions on the other side of it too. When you're very young, and you get manipulated with the service time. So yeah, arbitration system itself needs to be blowed up. What do you think about some of these players that were non-tendered, though? Like Kyle Schwarber, the Yankees apparently uh, not Gary uh, Cashman has loved Kyle Schwarber ever since there was he's that left, Andrew Miller. He's he's a left Andrew Miller lefty. for Kyle Schwarber uh, deal, yeah. But Kyle Schwarber still strikes out a shit ton. Yes, and he's I thi- a left-handed. He's basically a left-handed Luke Voigt. He's he's diet Luke Voigt right now. He's like, he's he's like that that big Luke fat Voigt, slob Luke Voigt in uh... is slim, man. Luke Voigt came in like 30 pounds under. You, Who's that you big fat slob he's... in Seattle? Uh Va- van Vandel Schmick. He's he's basically a copy of Vandal Schmick, okay? No, Schmick is van, Vandel Schmuck is a is a generic Luke Voigt. <laughs> he's, di- he's, he's off-brand Luke Voigt. He's, he's the Zarro Luke Voigt. The, Right now in the pecking order, you got you got uh Vandal Schmick is the poor man's Kyle Schwarber and Kyle Schwarber is the poor man's Luke Voigt. Luke Voigt is the winner in this whole thing. Luke Voigt is the course. Right but talk to me in a year, who knows? Luke Voigt could get back, he could get heavier, he's like like that guy Vandelbach has no neck. <laughs> I mean, Kyle Schwarber was supposed to be a prolific hitter for a long time. He was supposed he was in 2015 then he got hurt 2016 came back helped him win the World Series he's been mediocre since he was pretty actually pretty solid in 18 and 19 still only 27 years old also a defensive liability so the fact that uh the 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 fact that MLB has made no decision there's no actual determination on what the DH the universal DH uh, Implementation is going to be if it's going to be something that's it, it's hurting a lot of these guys. It hurts in particular. It hurts Kyle Schwarber because if there's a DH available in the National League, he's potentially tendered. I'm um, looking up the Mariners roster because I know it's not. I can't think of his name. Vogelsong. Vogelbeck. That's not his name. That's his name. I don't. I, I'm Vogelschlong. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just adding uh, anything onto the uh vogel produce. so yeah so I agree with you that um the d h thing hurts guys like schwaber uh I think it's pretty clear though the d h is gonna come after the the new c b a but it's not clear because it's not it's not actually written in in print, therefore it's not clear that's the problem <laughs> there's 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 a lot of gray area around that because it's not defined if it's if that's the case then then stamp it, make it so so that people can actually, and teams can adjust their plans for it. Yeah. Uh, there's some other, inter- like uh, David Dahl out of the Rockies could be an interesting fourth outfield option. Yeah. David Dahl has been an effective player. I mean, he's he's a good player. It depends on how many people believe in the whole Colorado thing. I think it's overblown, but... Well, um, it, I mean, LeMahieu. He, he had a terrible that. 2020. So many of these guys had terrible 2020s. Are you going to hold everyone's 2020s? No, that's 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 a big deal in how you're evaluating what's happening now. Is like, what do you, how do you evaluate 2020 as a team? The Braves, yeah, the Braves non-tendered Adam Duvall. He's another outfielder. The uh, Twins uh, non-tendered Eddie Rosario. Like these are now outfielders that could be really valuable fourth outfielders. We didn't think we're going to be on the market. That totally changes things. I think for the Yankees and Brett Gardner. Like Brett Gardner is worse than all of these players. So if you're going to sign Brett Gardner to be a fourth outfielder, sign one of these guys instead. Brett Gardner is uh David Duvall in 2020, 93 at bats, batted a buck 83 on-base percentage of 222. So Adam of 247, Duvall, you seven. Said? David Dahl, David 47 OPS so know, of 47. Yeah, look at look at his 2019. He had like a one like 115 OPS plus. He played he hit 300 yeah, no, I and he's not he's not old. He's twenty six years old right now. Wouldn't you rather sign him than Brett Ardner? Based on potential, based on what I think the player could be and what we've seen in the major leagues at this point in their career. Yes. Yeah. And I think it's bad news for guys like LeMahieu, too, who in an ordinary free agent year, non COVID, LeMahieu just comes into New York. He puts up two top three MVP finishes. He's going to cash in in free agency now because of COVID, because teams are going to start pinching pennies, because there's cheaper options out there. He might be left with nothing. He might be left with a one or two year deal again. Duvall is a, you know, he's 25% strikeout guy. Everyone's twenty five plus. Yeah, it's so rare to find someone in the low twenties or below. Seriously, like, just go to like the Fangraphs leaderboards. It's crazy. Maybe that's the new. Uh, maybe that's the new Billy Beans. People are just gonna look at that list and build a team based off of it. It's one of the first things I look at now, especially because the Yankees have so many guys that strike out a ton. I want to know is the guy that could potentially fit in this lineup is he different? Can he do something different, or is he just another Vogelschlong? So we should identify the catcher position from that list. You you take that list. You give me the defensive metrics list, not the not the framing list. I just want to know, I want to know the good defensive stats. I want to know how they how they are as a receiver of the ball. I don't care if they trick the the uh, umpire as much. I want them to keep the ball in front of them, and I want them to call a good game, and I want them to make contact. That's it. Um. So do the Corey Kluber rumors make it move at all for you? No, (laughs) they don't. It's a, it's a, it's a, a, if they sign him, if if they sign him, it's, it's one of these deals like you're okay. If it, if it happens, it happens. If it's, if we benefit from this, we benefit from this, but I, I I don't want to see, I don't want to see another Corey Cooper hype train, like the other hype trains that have come through and then us just like, okay, he's, he's going to get hurt again. And now we got to deal with that. And now we got to bring up somebody else. This is the year to do something like that I guess to to take some opportunities because we have some depth in AAA. But unless unless you're seeing a clean bill of health, a clean bill of health. If you're seeing a clean bill of health that's a different story. I have a That's where that's where I'm I'm off the train. The reason I He didn't, hasn't been healthy since 2018 though. And yes. so he's pitched in 8 games since 2018. 2020 he came to the Rangers, he pitched one inning. Again, it depends on how you look at 2020. It's all about the player and the health, and how you think he, how you think he is, and where he stands currently. If people if you are going to look at his name, and they're going to get excited. They're going to get fooled I'm into like, "Oh my Yankees god, we organization. got organization. We got Cleveland ace Corey Kluber." When that's not the case, no. But that doesn't mean he, if he's if he's healthy, he's not going to be a, a good pitcher. I, I believe he could still be a very good pitcher if he's healthy. That's a huge question mark, though. So if the Yankees identify years him old. as a healthy guy at this point, what'd you say? Thirty-four years old. That's not that's not a deterrent for me that that age is not a deterrent for me if he's healthy if that arm is in good shape fine the age doesn't matter as much for starting pitchers unless you have like a bad elbow or a bad shoulder if you have a a deteriorating you know, ligament in some in some uh or or just a, a strain that keeps happening or something's going on with your arm and, the, and then you combine that with the age okay now we got problems but the age alone is not we've seen too many guys come out here and pitch effectively at in the high and, you know, in their upper thirties for us to really use that as a, as a bar. If it's a short-term deal, it's going to be a short-term deal. Yeah. yeah, Who cares? Mm -hmm. Because every free agent pitcher that has signed so far, Gosman, Stroman, Morton, Smiley, Robbie Ray, all signed one-year deals. Mike Miner is the only one who signed a two-year deal so far. And that was with Kansas city for $18 million. So everyone's signing one-year deals. So Kluber is probably going to be in that same camp, one or two-year deal with incentives that also could maybe bring back Tanaka on a one-year deal as well. Like if Tanaka comparing himself, I know you roll your eyes. I agree. But is Tanaka on a one-year deal all that bad? Is he a worse No, no, no. I'm not than- rolling my eyes. I'm not rolling my eyes. I, would I, I thought you mentioned that if we signed him, that you bring back uh, Tanaka as well. No, I think you're looking at Charlie Morton. Charlie Morton's deal to me is like, is the deal for Tanaka, is the deal for uh, Corey Kluber, like that's probably the deal that those guys are going to be going after. The one year of fifteen million. Well, I think million. I think Kluber gets less. I mean, the dudes pitch eight games since. I think Kluber could probably get that though if he if he says he's healthy and and he gets a clean bill of health. I'm not saying he has to say it. Like they literally have to do. I would rather sign Kluber for two years, where if he with incentives, where the first year is nothing, it's five million dollars, but if you reach 150 innings, you lock in next year for like 15 million or 20 million or something. Okay, but I just. I don't think he's going to sign that deal, because I think he could get two one-year deals and make more money. Yeah, you might be right, but like, I I think the upside on Corey Kluber, you got to try and take advantage of that while he right now. Because yes, if you right, said, but but that all goes down to if he's a, I don't need to a second year to understand that. If we're going to benefit from the upside of Corey Kluber, it's going to be right now. We're not going to see a, a guy and wait for him to get more healthy because I do believe okay. that if Corey Kluber is healthy, then yes, we can be. He could be effective. That's a huge question mark. If the Yankees identify him as a healthy pitcher, then then yes, there's upside potential with a, a one to two year deal. If you believe he's healthy, I don't want well, question marks. In him coming in and saying, Oh, now we got foreign bodies floating around in the elbow. (laughs) The foreign bodies. Foreign bodies in the elbow. What are those foreign bodies I don't know what they are, but they're it's like that, it's like that monolith that showed up in the desert. You see that? (laughs) Yes. The monolith showed up in Tanaka's elbow. I just I don't want to hear about floating things, particles, (laughs) scar tissue, whatever the hell it is, around the elbow. I don't want to hear any cleanups. No more cleanups. Uh, a lot of cleanups. So the Yankees still have how many rotation spots would you say they need to fill? Three? Three? They need to fill. They have. Well, it depends what you're looking at for Severino. So he's not going to start the season. Right. I understand. So that's a rotation you're, you're spot. You're identifying you need that to, as a spot, though. Yeah. That needs to be filled. Yes. I don't think you can. I don't. I think because you have to assume other guys are going to get injured, you cannot go into next year without having five like five full-time starters to enter the season plus all your depth. Every year the Yankees are in this position where they get to the end of the season and they have one starting pitcher. Yeah, but we, I, I, I identified this this year in my GM plans that this is the year that you can go after an extra guy. Like you're saying, an extra guy, get that depth in the major leagues because you have the ability to stock a few guys in the minor leagues that have that have potential that you've seen have success in the major leagues. The Yankees do are the in a starting, rare position right now to okay. over, to over um, to over s- to stock up, to have an uh, an abundance of supply in starting pitchers and they should do, do it. The Yankees depth chart right now, starting pitchers. What are they? Yeah. Starting pitchers depth chart after Garrett Cole, number one, who's number two going into 2021. Um, That's a good question. There's Domingo Herman is controlled, Right. Oh God! That's where you start. I'm looking start at all the control guys. German. I'm looking at control guys. He's having a he's having a very good the uh, D- Dominican. Uh, he's pitching well down in the Dominican League. So you see, you see, he's part of the plans. Like whether you whether anybody likes it or not, it's it's very very obvious that he's still. Part You're of the making plans. my point where you, the first guy you mention after Garrett Cole is Domingo Herman as the second depth. Right? Piece. There's nobody. It's Luis Severino in June, hopefully, but that's it. Well, right, or, or you're you're saying Debbie Garcia, who has blue hair and a goatee, pitching pitching in the winter leagues. There's there's the, Jordan Montgomery. The, does the uh, Yankees does the Yankees policy say anything about blue hair? If it's well, above the shoulders? it was getting a little long. Uh, so I think if it's blue, but under above the neckline, I think it's okay. This is the Yankees depth chart going into next year. If they don't do anything else, it's okay? it's Garrett Cole, Garrett and Cole, and then Montgomery, else. Garcia, King. Herman, literally, that is the depth chart. I if know. you don't do anything else, you need to sign three starting pitchers. You need to acquire three more starting pitchers, whether that's trade, whether that's free agent signings. I'm excited for that. So the fact that it that, that is a you're looking at a veteran guy on a short term deal. I the way that three free agency them, is though. the way that free agency is playing out right now, it would surprise me at this point that Tanaka if Tanaka didn't come back, to be honest. Okay. So Tanaka signs a one because he's play. a known quantity. Maybe they go out and trade for someone, whether it's Lance Lynn Lance Lynn, Give me some hot dog. Lesser, give me some hot dog breath. Give me some meat smells out of Lance Lynn. Yeah. Maybe it's someone lesser profile than Lance Lynn. Maybe they try and go after that controllable starting pitcher again. Okay, so that's two. Is Corey Kluber the third? Is James Paxton the third? Like James Paxton and Corey Kluber. So, are do you kind remember similar. my? Do you remember you my agree? GM plans? This is this is exactly what I did. I signed Trevor Bauer for this reason. This is so, the year to do this. Mm, you go and you, and you, and you said, buy Trevor. Yes, you get, go and you buy Trevor Bauer out. if you, if you can do if you're willing to do it, go do it. But they I don't sh- think they're they, willing they are to will, do they, it. They should. Why are they not willing to do it? Because I of don't the, know. because of he's a, a personality. Because he's a I don't a know if loaded, they want to spend that kind of money. The Scott, didn't you hear? Hal Steinbrenner said the Yankees had it tougher than anyone else in Major League Baseball this year. Well, guess what? A guy like Trevor Bauer will will help you off the field because you're not going to get butts in seats. That doesn't matter anymore. You better goddamn sell some jerseys. You're not going to have asses in seats for the first half of the season. At you least. better sell some jerseys. You better do some things that are garnering attention online because guess what? That's going to be a value point for you a team. You want them vlogging from the clubhouse? Yo, if you're not identifying that as a, as a team right now, that the that there needs to be some other level of capitalization on on the way that these players are, then you're you're missing the boat because it's real. Okay. Trevor Bauer I, might be the most famous baseball player on the planet right now. No, stop it. I'm serious. In the in the age That's group of thirteen sad. to twenty-four, do you think that most of them know who Trevor Bauer is? I'd say yes. I would say I would say he's top twenty. I'd, I'd say, say he's 13, top five. Thirteen to twenty four, you're still gonna get guys like Bryce Harper, who's more, more well known. Aaron Judge, more well known. Um again. Trevor Bauer is very very prominent on social media. Makes it, he he's everywhere. He's, Alex Bregman. He's there like, he's there not yeah, as a Trevor Bauer's top 10 fine. But Trevor top, Bauer your the, the point is, is that Trevor Bauer is Vogel-Slong. not is not known to I think a lot of that demographic for the things he's doing on the field, but for the things that he's doing off the field. He's become a YouTuber. I want to just quickly mention before we wrap up. uh, So speaking of starting pitching, the Yankees have, I saw, I read an article where they were linked to uh, a Japanese pitcher named. um, Good. Here we go. Yes. Tomoyuki Sugano. Tomoyuki. Tomoyuki. Tomoyuki Sugano. So he plays for the Yamari Giants and they're expected to post him. Um, He's 31 years old. He went 14 and two with a 1.97 ERA. .89 .89 whip, 131 strikeouts, and 137 innings in 2020 in Japan.
2: Does he pitched, throw
1: with his right hand or his left hand? He's a right-handed pitcher. He's a righty. In eight seasons, he's posted a 2.34 ERA. He is one year younger than Masahiro Tanaka is right now. Uh, the Yankees have definitely had a long history with uh, Japanese pitchers. Tanaka, Kuroda, Agawa, uh, what Hideki Urabu. Kind of what kind of a pitcher is he? Do we know like this, his style? J- Japanese pitcher. Mm. Uh, just his style of pitching do we know what his style of pitching is he does he throw the ball hard does he not throw the ball hard is he a guy that i, I don't that, know so i think when you're looking at a 31 year old pitcher coming over from japan one you better throw a lot of strikes two you better be able well, 131 to, strikeouts in 137 innings that's, that's almost a, a strike no that's just a well in japan it's a That's not a lot. it's a strikeout per nine innings i think it's a different style of pitching there yeah to me that's not he's not a power guy so just I don't even know anything about him just based on what that says that's I'm to going me that to Google. that means for me that he's probably a guy that th- that locates well and uh has a decent repertoire of pitches and if that's the that, case that would um i mean that's how most of the japanese pitchers are well i mean some of them throw very hard as well <laughs> you you have you have some guys that can throw hard look the the when i see this age though and i'm seeing i, I need him to I need him to be a toolsy guy. I need him to be able to throw different pitches and be able to be a little bit of uh, um have some deception there. Uh it's a, it's a, it's a shot in the dark here. I mean sure, but it's I'm not depending on this guy at all ever. Yeah. You want to add I, him to the list? Fine. Add him to the list. I I think um I I probably should have done more. I would rather you go out and focus your attention and buy and go get Trevor Bauer and trade for Lance Land. Give me a year. And and go win a World Series next year, then worry about Tomoyuki Sugano uh, and him potentially coming out as, uh, at age 32. But what if that's the third option? What if that's the third pitching option that they go into next year with? They 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 um they resign Tanaka. This, this guy's they a number five pitcher Corey at best. Kluber. Come on, uh, yeah, you might be right. And probably that's a stretch because we don't know. You, we don't know. I don't. We don't know. So.
2: But Again, you know what? Japanese pitchers actually tend
1: to Japanese pitchers tend to have better success in the first couple of years than they do middle to late because years because, because of that deception of right? the un, of, of the unknown. Right. So if you sign him for a one or two year deal, maybe you get the best years he's ever going to pitch in the majors. Yeah. But a guy who's going to post, you're not going to it's not going to be a one or two year deal in this offseason. This is the worst possible time to post a player. Well, it's, it's a good time for a, a team to get value, though. If they think he's a decent player. I just don't think it's it doesn't line up. It doesn't make a lot of it doesn't make a ton of sense the way that the Yankees are right now unless they really believe in this guy and and, and he's gonna come in and, and be effective. I, I don't know enough about him um, you know, from a from the scouting side of things to to speak if he can be a if he's got potential to be a four or five. We have a lot of these guys already in the in the system now that that have the potential to be a four or five. Like is yeah, this Jordan, anyone knows, this is a right-handed Jordan Montgomery, probably. If any if anybody follows the MPB and knows anything about Sugano send us a mailbag question and we'll read it for next week, but it's a go thing, get, anyway. go, go use your money and get Trevor Bauer. Use the depth you have and get a guy like Lance Lynn. Who's at the top of his game right now. And, and will be oh, an asset next year. Of course. And when the go world trade series for Lance next Lynn. year, if, if you trade for Lance Lynn and you sign Trevor Bauer, of course, that's, that would be a great pitching plan, but that's the see point. That the realistic. point is that they're in a position right now to do that because of the depth that they have. Because now we have competition and we have a stable of of uh, guys oh, who can you're throw. Gonna flip the, you're gonna flip? I that? didn't even do that on purpose. But we have a we have a. a, a I like the raised stable better than our th- stable. No, our stable not winning. A, okay, fine. Races. We have a bus though, <laughs> our, sta- our stable, a, shor- a short bus ride. The saddest of stable effective I've ever seen. Number four and number five pitchers bunch that can of compete. Short horses. I can't get out of the gate. It's, I'm just saying, there's a there's a there's a lot of guys that can compete at the the back end of the rotation right now. So go front load it. Yep. Okay. That's it for this episode. Next week, number five hundred. Maybe we'll have something special in store for five hundred. Maybe not. Maybe it'll just be like a regular episode. We don't know yet. Anything else you want to talk about? Sign LeMayhu. I'm still waiting. Still, yeah. I'm still waiting for them to sign LeMayhu. All this arbitration talk. I feel talk like we went through the whole episode and didn't mention LeMayhu. It's it's like the it's like the, the cloud over the entire state. Just sign LeMayhu. Get some momentum. Get some Twitter Twitter momentum. Sign LeMayhu. Is that like a Trevor Bauer pun? Uh, no, but it could be. That's a good one though. It did that on not on purpose. See, this is this is it's fate. Just get Trevor Bauer over here now. Just pay for him and get him over here and let him be a lunatic who wins 20 games. That's fine. Okay. We'll talk to you guys next week. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter, at Bronx Pinstripes, and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there, Talking Yankee Baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it, and go Yankees!
2: The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing. But you know better, and your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos.